For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Are you paying down old credit card debt? I know I am. A personal loan could be your solution, guys. Loans usually come with a fixed monthly payments, making them a simple way to help pay off your credit cards. Plus, loans usually have lower interest rates than credit cards do, and Credit Karma can help you find the best option for yourself. Uh, Credit Karma uses your credit data to find loan offers that are personalized to you so you can have a better idea of what loan amount you are getting approved for. Credit Karma will even show you your chances of approval so you can choose between loan um, loan offers that you're more likely to get approved for and apply with more confidence. Comparing loan offers on Credit Karma is 100% free, won't affect your credit score, and could save you money. Ready to apply? Head to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers. Again, that's creditkarma.com slash loan offers to find the loan for you. That's creditkarma.com slash loan offers. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello, what a beautiful Wednesday, and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I'm joined, as always, by producers G. Hay Wiley and our Money Buckets. How are we doing on this glorious Wednesday? Well, it is a glorious Wednesday, Arash, so I'm feeling, I guess, great, (laughs) as usual. Today's wow. always a fun day because it's the day that, you know, my basketball team is going to get eliminated. So always looking forward to those kind of days. Yeah. I mean, uh, a lot going on in the NBA. And we thought of Armani Buckets as we put together today's headlines. So without further ado, let's get to today's headlines. Well, last night, Victor Oladipo scored 23 points. Bam Adebayo added 20 points and 11 boards. And the Miami Heat, without Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry, beat the Atlanta Hawks 97-94 and moved on to the Eastern Conference semifinals. Can the Miami Heat make a run, guys, and return to the NBA Finals this year? You know, the first person who told me that the Miami Heat may be a championship team this year was Armani Bucket. I didn't believe it. I still don't quite believe it. I, I, I like the Boston Celtics right now a little bit more, but the Heat are a very good team. And it really does say something about your squad when you can win a closeout game without two of your top players, without Jimmy Butler, without Kyle Lowry. And you want to talk about the importance of the closeout game, just talk to Doc Rivers. I mean, it, it is really hard to close out a team um, so the fact that Miami won this game, impressive. First team to advance. Well, sorry, the Celtics advanced. The Heat also advanced. I like the Heat this year. I, I don't know if they have enough to, to win it all or to get back to the finals. Again, people forget just two years ago, it was the Lakers and the Miami Heat. And, that, and back then, 
by the way, no surprise that year for the Lakers, but I think that was sort of like the beginning of people realizing what the Heat could be. Uh, so yeah, wouldn't wouldn't be shocked if the Heat got to the finals. I don't think that they do this year, but very impressive win for the Heat last night. I'm with you. I wouldn't be shocked, but I also think Boston should be considered the favorites as of now. Miami's biggest weakness has been their offense. So Victor Oladipo is going to look like this. It gives them a huge boost offensively to help their uh, chances of getting to the finals. The other thing about the Heat that's been very impressive, Jimmy Butler probably has been the best player this whole postseason. It's not saying much because they played Atlanta, but Jimmy was having a down season. And for him to look like this in the playoffs, yeah, Miami does have a chance to make it, but I still would lean with a team like the Celtics. Yeah, no, I'm with you, Armani uh, Buckets. I, I am... Celtics all the way. I think that they have been phenomenal. They will be phenomenal. That defense that they have, by the way, ridiculous. Ridiculous. I mean, they are playing like the Celtics of old. So I, I'm very much looking forward to uh, just the, the Celtics just ki- killing it, killing it in life and killing it um, as far as the playoffs are concerned. So I guess good on, good on Miami for moving forward. But yeah, this is going to be Boston all the way. That is for sure. Like I'm loving, loving what Boston is doing um, as far as the Eastern Conference is concerned. Do you guys think actually that um, without Jimmy Butler, if this like, because he's only in health protocol, correct? So like we actually have time for him to come back. Do you think that Miami really does have a chance? Because I don't, I, I personally just don't think that Miami can just move on, but I guess we'll just we'll just see how Miami can do. Um, in Phoenix, guys, last night the Suns beat the New Orleans Pelicans 112 to 97 as um, Mikael Bridges, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton combined for 72 points. The Suns now have a three to two lead in the series. Can the Pelicans force a game seven, or is the series just over? Well, listen, I think the Pelicans can force a Game 7. I don't like the Pelicans to beat the Suns in that Game 7 back at Phoenix. I will um, uh, say this. This run by the Pelicans really could be a sign of things to come for them. If Zion can come back and whatever, be a semblance of what people thought he could be, this New Orleans Pelicans team could be trouble in the future. I don't think that they beat the Suns, even with the injury to De- Devin Booker. I thought it would have been a tall task for the Pelicans to defeat the Suns and really have a massive upstep there in the first round. Real quick, I do want to say, uh, if I sound a little bit different, I am in Las Vegas. We will touch on that briefly. Uh, I am here for the draft. So, yes, it's a little bit. The uh, sound quality is not perfect. I am here at the draft headquarters in Las Vegas for the uh, uh, draft. But listen, everyone in Las Vegas is, uh, you know, tracking the uh, playoffs right now. So all the uh, sports books are uh, playing all the games. So looking forward to watching these games uh, tonight. But to your question, G.H., I do think that the Pelicans going back to New Orleans can force a game seven. I have no confidence that the Pelicans will be able to close out the number one team in the league at, at least in terms of record this season in a game. Nothing has been confirmed yet, but Devin Booker was walking by the Pelicans bench as the game ended. And basically it looked like he was mouthing something like, get ready, get ready. (laughs) He might come back for game six. The timeline was supposed to be longer, but I'm with you. I think that the, the Suns probably 
in my opinion, close this out in six, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Pelicans force a game seven. I just can't see them winning in Phoenix another yeah. another time. Do not count Brandon Ingram out. We always said this. I said this from the very beginning. If Brandon Ingram can go on a run, uh, balls to walls, Phoenix is going to be um, in for a little bit of a a, a little shakeup. Uh, Brandon Ingram is the truth. He is a great player. He is a phenomenal player. Um, he's just unfortunately on the wrong team. Um, we all we always talk about Zion Williamson, Zion Williamson, but man, Brandon Ingram, that kid, he's special. He is special. Um, I think that if he can get on a run, he can get that team hype. You might be looking at an upset, but unfortunately, it's really tough to beat Phoenix in Phoenix. So um, you guys are definitely right when it comes to that. I'm really hoping for the best because, you know, I love my Dukies. I will support them through and through. I'm blindly, uh, I have blind faith in those guys. So I'm really hoping that Brandon, you know, maybe turns the tables. And you also, Arash, know as of last year, I am not a Phoenix Suns fan. So I I would love an upset. I would love a Game 7 upset. That would be cherry on top of this season, especially considering what they did to my Clippers. But to be honest with you, yeah, I don't see it happening. It's really unfortunate, but that that team is, they're on a mission. Uh, Phoenix is on a mission to make that turnaround, to make something something happen where they actually win the entire, they're trying to win the entire thing. Like it is a championship or bust for them. So I guess good luck, Phoenix. Not really. I hope you lose, but, um, <laughs> but you know, stranger things have happened. Speaking of that, things have gone from bad to worse for the Chicago Bulls, for Armani Buckets, Chicago Bulls. Needing a win to keep their series alive, the Bulls have ruled out guards Zach Levine and Alex Caruso, my boy Alex, tier, for tonight's Game 5 against the Milwaukee Bucks. Can the Bulls force a Game 6? And this is this might be it for them uh, for this season. Do you guys have the pieces in place to make a run, Armani, with this group next season? So, Buckets, you uh, you got to take this first because, I mean, that that is your team, and you hate to have an elimination game with two of your best players uh, not playing. Not an ideal situation for your Chicago Bulls. Not ideal at all, but for me individually, personally, on my own island, delusional island, I I can't be more excited for this game. Kobe White will be our starting point guard. That is my favorite player on the Chicago Bulls. I think that we screwed his development so royally. And tonight is his last game for put-up or shut-up time. I think we're going to lose big. And I'm not optimistic about this group going forward. But I know that the Bulls fans in general are very optimistic for some strange reason about running this team back next season. I think that the Bucks have demonstrated championship-level play this entire series. Now, that series against Boston would be must-see television every game. Giannis looks incredible. Um, And I think no matter what happens the rest of the playoffs, Giannis will still be the best player in the league, regardless of what maybe Jason Tatum can take that from him, but it would have to be like a miraculous superhero performance the rest of the postseason for anybody but Giannis to be the best player on the planet. Yeah, I mean, the the way that the Bulls have, you know, closed out the season I, I don't think you just run this back I mean generally speaking even I, I don't see how you could lose in the first round and say you know what run it back so no I I did like this team this year it did make me super um 
jealous. I don't know if jealous is the right word. DeMar DeRozan would have been such a great addition to, for the Lakers. Of all the guys that they could have added, whether it's Buddy Heald or DeMar DeRozan, you can go down the list. They went with the wrong guy in Russell Westbrook. So, yeah, I mean, GA, this could be the end of the road for our money bucket Chicago Bulls. Yeah, I'm wondering how do you run it? We'll see. We'll see. I mean, you never know um, what can happen. What can happen? And if it's an elimination game, buckets, there could be a star there. Yeah. Yeah. How do you run this back, though? That, I guess that's my only question. Like, how do you, how do you really run this back? That, that that's the only that that's the only issue maybe that I have with the Chicago Bulls right now. Um, I, I I really hope that they do run it back, but I I guess only time's gonna tell. We will see. For the first time since the 2017-2018 season, the Kings will have a chance to compete for the Stanley Cup. They clinched a playoff spot Tuesday like we said they would, without even playing when the uh, Vegas Golden Knights lost to the Dallas Stars. The Kings will play the Edmonton Oilers in the first round and the best of se- in this best-of-seven series beginning next week. The Kings went 1-2-1 and won this season against Edmonton, but can the Kings beat the Oilers and win their first playoff series since winning the Stanley Cup in 2014? 100%. I mean, Jihei, as you know, postseason is a different season. Things are 0-0. So as you mentioned, the Kings are 1-2-1 against Edmonton this year. They are effectively a 500. They've, uh, you know, kind of gone 2-2. And so I have no issue with believing, you know, I'm a homer. I love the Kings. And, uh, you know, we have Taylor joining us once a week. Uh, so I, I, by the way, very excited for Kayla to be able to work the Stanley Cup playoff game with the Kings. But no, I, I definitely believe that the Kings can beat the Edmonton Oilers and win their first playoff series since 2014. Uh, but just happy, happy for um, the uh, Kings, happy for Kings fans out there, uh, excited for what the South Bay will look like. Hopefully, if they are in a position to close out that first round series again have not won a playoff series since they won the cup back in 2014. So, gee, he just very excited that the Kings are finally officially now back in the postseason. I mean, I'm still going to root on my Rangers, but go Kings, go. Playoff time is upon us. I am so psyched for the Los Angeles Kings. I'm psyched for those young players out there that are going to get the chance to buy for a Stanley Cup because there is nothing like it. Like you said, Arash, there's nothing like Stanley Cup hockey. It is the best time of the year. I mean, I know, Armani, you are super psyched for NBA playoffs. I know that you're, like, really excited for this time, but, man, playoff hockey, you got, you, you can't, like, I'm, I'm literally, my hairs are standing on edge right now, <laughs> um, just, just kind of feeling that energy of what the Stanley Cup means to a lot of these kids, especially these Kings players that have never, ever dealt with this kind of stuff before. So, Really looking forward to that. Really looking forward to, you know, hopefully them going on a run because, like you said again, playoff hockey is completely different than uh, regular season hockey. Edmonton is going to give them fights just because, like, they are uh, defensively, like, they are they are rough. So I, I think that it's going to be an uphill battle for them. I really hope that the young players are up to the task. But I guess we're... We're just going to have to see it, and I can't, I can't wait for playoff hockey. I think that Kayla's going to have probably the best time ever. It's the best time of the year. I, I'm, I'm so excited. I can't wait. 
Well, the Dodgers blew yeah. their first lead of the season as the Arizona Diamondbacks came back from three runs down to the boys in blue at five to three. The Dodgers hit into uh, five double plays and went two for eight uh, with runners in scoring position. I hate leaving guys on base, guys. Just don't do it. Yeah. Um, any any cause for concern, um, Arash, with the way the Dodgers played last night? You know, the only issue I have is the untimely hitting, and you never want to uh, blow a lead like that. Certainly, a three-run lead, and obviously the Diamonds. The Diamondbacks are not that good. Again, we always say this, Jihei, it's true. It's a long season. It's a 162-game season. This is sort of just um, the luck of the draw, the luck of the bat, or the unlucky luck of the draw or bat. I mean, this is one of those situations when you hit into five double plays, when you leave eight runners in scoring position, I mean, it's going to happen. During the course of the season, this is going to happen. So it's not like they got a bad night from a pitcher. Obviously, the bats went quiet uh, following them taking that three-run lead. But uh, no real cause for concern. Uh, again, they're, they, they're, they're going to have nights like this. But generally speaking, I mean, it's very frustrating for you're a fan and you're watching this game unfold the way that that it did so um no uh, no surprise uh, about that again they have a, a 12 30 start today closing out their series against the diamondback uh before i believe the uh, comeback home so yeah not an ideal game last night not an ideal way to uh, close out that uh road trip which they'll close out tonight but yeah no cause for concern here yeah it's a 162 game season like you said, Arash, like it, this is, I guess this is the concern that I think a lot of people are worried about with, with all their teams, right? Is that, are they going to be able to perform at 162 game, uh, uh, up to par for 162 games? I'm not worried. I'm I, like, pitch, pitching has been extremely, um, has, has been great considering the fact that it's 162 yeah. game season for the Dodgers. So that, again, that's my only concern, especially down the pipe. Um, you never want to leave guys on, on base though. That's that, that I think that's my only major concern for them just for this particular game. But other than that, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll take the L. It, it, Especially considering, yeah. like it, it's the beginning of the series. Who cares, you know? So I'm, I'm good. I, I, I don't think that the Dodgers really need to be concerned. I don't think Dodger fans need to be concerned. I think that like those that are, if you want 162 wins, you're in for a rough season, guys. So um, I, I think you know, let's just take every single game at a time and uh, go from there. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. And then they uh, they come back home, Jihei, uh, Friday to play the Detroit Tigers. So that'll be a fun series. I believe they're having a Kirk Gibson bobblehead uh, night there. So very excited. Are you bummed that you're missing that Kirk Gibson bobblehead night? <laughs> I am. I am. I'll be in Vegas for the draft. But yeah, listen, love Kirk Gibson. Love that 1988 championship team. You know, it's a hard knock life you live, though, Arash. Missing Kirk Gibson night <laughs> as opposed to like going to the draft, like because you're in the draft I right know. now in Vegas. Right, exactly. Um, any any major bets that you're you're posting right now? Not really. Just watching the uh, watching the NBA playoffs. I'll, I'll take a look. I'm gonna head to Circa uh, tonight, and I'll see what's happening there. Uh, always jealous of the fact that you have time out there right now. Always jealous. Well, yeah. speaking of the NFL draft, Arash, it begins Thursday in Vegas. 
Are you ready? Um, you're already in Sin City, Arash. What is the atmosphere like, and what do you expect the, uh, from the Rams and Chargers in this year's draft? It's incredible. I mean, everyone has already descended upon Sin City for the draft. As you mentioned, Jihei, uh, the strip is closed down. Uh, they have the uh, red carpet stage atop the Bellagio Fountains. That's amazing. They have the main stage where the draft picks will get announced uh, right outside of Caesars. Uh, listen, the Chargers have the 17th pick in the draft. I expect them to maybe go offense, perhaps wide receiver. It is amazing that the Rams, who do not hold a pick in the top 100, are really killing the game when it comes to viral draft uh, things. I mean, they had the uh, Selling Sunset crew um, basically give them their uh, draft home, which is this beautiful mansion. And then they had this amazing trailer. I don't know if you guys saw this about the uh, the uh, draft. And they had, you know, all these actors. I mean, it looked like a legit movie trailer. So I am expecting the uh, Chargers to make a solid pick. Love their personnel team there. Uh, perhaps a wide receiver. Uh, but again, your uh, question, G, the atmosphere is fantastic. I really hope the uh, draft comes back to Vegas soon. It is an amazing big sports town. You know, it doesn't really shock me that, you know, the Rams have turned Vegas Hollywood and done a trailer and, uh, you know, done certain things for for the draft to just make it kind of glamorous or anything like that. How is the shutdown? Because traffic has got to be a bear over there because they've shut oh, down the strip, haven't they? Yeah, no, it is rough. I mean, you're, you're going to have to go the back ways and stuff like that. And so I do, I mean, it's bad right now on Wednesday. What it's going to be like Thursday for the first round of the draft and the pomp of the pageantry. I do think hopefully, and I, I'm probably wrong here, it, you know, again, the big commotion is around the first round of the draft. I don't think things will be as bad come uh come saturday for like the late rounds but still oh it, it's it's crazy all right let's leave it there for now when we come back we will hear from rams head coach sean McVay and rams gm les sneed about the nfl draft when we return right here on the mightier 1090 in southern california and the fan in las vegas we'll be right back with the arash markazi show on the mightier 1090 espn radio This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or a comment or want to win tickets to a future Kings or Galaxy game, that is right, playoff Kings game, call our hotline 310-400-0340. As we mentioned before, the draft is Thursday in Las Vegas. Uh, the Rams do not hold a pick in the first or second round. They don't have a pick in the top 100, but they've been killing the game in terms of their draft house, which they got from the crew from Selling Sunset, the uh, the draft movie trailer montage. So they, they got a lot going on. Okay, so let's now hear from Rams head coach Sean McVay and Rams GM Les Snead, who spoke to the media before the NFL draft tomorrow. 
Can you both give me your first memories of your very first draft experience and um, what that was like? It's changed so much over the years as far as the the glitz and the glamour. What were each of your first experiences like? Are you talking about here with the Rams or just in general? In in general, your first memory. Oh man, that, that's hard. I mean, I probably remember, uh, you know, one of the first things that comes to mind was, you know, the debate a handful of years ago, whether it was going to be Mario Williams or Reggie Bush. Um, you know, that was when I was in college following the draft, but you know, I mean, I, I can remember I've, I've always followed it since I was a little kid. Um, you know, but they've done a good job of continuously making it a skeptic, you know, a spectacle that everybody wants to pay attention to. And that's why it's good to be in the NFL. For you, Les? Maria, I got to go way back. I'm I'm skipping school, probably in middle school. But I and then those days seems like it was during a it was during the week, so it was probably Monday, maybe a Monday and Tuesday. But I my the vision that came to my mind. I remember skipping school one time and the Pittsburgh Steelers taking uh, Louis Lips, and uh, he was a receiver. And one of my uh, best friends way back in Ufall, Alabama, was a big Steeler fan. Still is a big Steeler fan. So I remember. Obviously, you couldn't, uh, didn't have text or anything like that, but there were cell phones at the, I mean, my bad, uh, pay phones. And I remember him calling me and I said, hey, the Steelers have Lewis Lips. So that's it, Maria. And then what about um, as in working with the Rams, what are your first memories there? Go ahead, Les. You know what, it's only, you know, like the thing that came to my mind. Tenured was, than me. Well, my, well, it, I, I would go this, and I'll, I'll instead of the the first the first draft. I mean, that, the first draft was when we had I think the two pick, and we ended up trading probably with Sean and the Redskins. They moved into that pick to take RG three. But w I remember working with Sean. I do remember our first draft together. Sean's moved out here, and we're doing a lot of our draft meetings at the Four Seasons because you didn't have a home yet, and and so I would meet you there uh, in the evenings, and and that's when we discussed you know strategies and draft philosophies and players and things like that yeah i would say uh one of the you know most memorable experiences was going on the road with les and zach taylor and matt lafleur shane waldron handful of guys and kind of went on the workout circuit we worked out evan ingram and gerald everett and cooper cup and zay jones and you know there was a handful of guys that uh you know we had a lot of fun with ended up with two of those guys that were big parts of it and Obviously, we know uh, you know how the Cooper things worked out, but that was uh, that was a great experience being able to go through that, um, you know, and identify. That was kind of one of the first times I'd gone through a, a situation like that where you worked out a handful of guys in a short amount of time, and you know, Taiwan Taylor was a part of that as well. There was a there was a lot of guys we worked out that uh, it was fun to be able to kind of see those see those guys work up close and personal. Thanks very much, George. Hey guys, um, hope you're doing well. This question is for both of you, if possible. Um, just wondering, as you guys have uh, sort of started to set your board, um, what your major takeaways and trends were of this draft class? Um, you hear a lot of chatter about how it's a very unusual one uh, for a couple of different reasons, particular in the, in the first and second rounds. And obviously, as you guys get closer to where you pick, um, where you're seeing sort of clusters of positions uh, start to stand out and, and um, which positions those might be. Sean, I'll say, Jordan, I think the, the biggest cluster of picks is there's a lot of players that we 
having a cluster of, you know, they won't be there when we pick. Um, and that's, that's, I mean, that's probably the, the, the biggest cluster, which is, which is interesting, you know, from that, I think like every draft, uh, it all, it all depends on, right. What, what maybe your needs are, what, what your, your scheme is, uh, just because some positions might be deep that, you know, players might not fit, fit our scheme. So I, I do think what we tried to hone in on and spend a lot of time on is, is, is attempt to earmark, right. Players, uh, that we do think will be available at different parts of the draft when we're p- picking and and trying to earmark the you know figure out which one of those players have a you know a specific use for us in some type of role and and at that, at that point in time we got to figure out if we handicap this draft correctly as it goes as it plays out yeah it's definitely been unique i mean even for us you know with our first pick being at 104 but you know less than his group um you know james gladstone jake temmy they've done such a good job of really identifying guys based on, you know, previous years, um, this year's draft and, and a lot of different information that you're gathering to kind of really try to hone in. And, you know, the, the nice thing for us is in a lot of instances, it'll kind of naturally work itself out for us as the, uh, you know, the first three rounds unfold as we have the second to last pick in the third round. So be exciting, but I, I definitely feel, I know Les feels this way too, coaches and personnel that uh, we're going to come away with some players that we expect to help us um, a lot sooner than later. And then if I could follow up, uh, you guys have eight picks now. Um, Sean, we asked Les a lot about sort of his philosophy and acquiring more picks and, and I guess increasing the dart throws as, as he says, but I'm wondering how you guys have sort of developed and uh, evolved that philosophy in the moment uh, when teams are calling you or you're calling others wanting to, trade back and and are you guys both happy with having eight picks or do you think you guys will be open for business for more yeah i think the number one thing is is there's there's such consistent alignment you know between less myself and really you know his group and and our coaches and i think it boils down to you know eight picks right now but you know it's really the players and identifying a handful of guys that you like and if there's still a handful of guys at a certain spot or you know when you're on the board and you feel like you can move back and gain some more draft capital and it allows you to be able to add, you know, you know, kind of a two for one, if you will, or even more than that. That's always something that, you know, I think Les has done a great job of and I've really learned and, um, you know, seen it kind of unfold these last five years. Uh, but it's, um, you know, it's a good thing. And, and a lot of those decisions are uh, unfolding in the moment. And, you know, Les gets real frenetic in a good way as the clock starts ticking down, and uh, and it's 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 fun for us. <laughs> you didn't like that, huh, Les? I, I did mention on Chris Long's podcast yesterday that during the season I may be the frontal lobe and you're the amygdala, but during this time of the year you're the frontal lobe and I'm the amygdala. But there you go, Nick. That's a nice way of saying that Les is the basket case now. I'm the basket case during the season. <laughs> Although I, I I can say that uh, you know as as the clock's winding down that I, I got a gut feeling that like Sean calling plays on a drive to win the Super Bowl like mom dad something genetically gifted whatever it is I just think your heart rate's a little better than mine so I'm probably doing what I should be doing and you're probably doing what you should be doing. We're a good team. Hey guys, uh, Coach and uh, Les, uh, thank you for taking time out for this. Wanted to ask you guys just about the draft. I know you guys look at obviously study hours upon hours of film and things of that nature. But how far do you guys go back as far as looking at 
the type of player that you want to be inside of your your you know clubhouse inside of the the, the culture that you guys have created how far do you go back to determine not just what, what's on the field but what's between the ears and, and the type of characteristic of the person is that will fit your scheme uh, you know what we probably probably as far back as, as high school definitely with, with players that uh, we're really interested in we will definitely you know connect with 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 not just coaches but probably teachers and people in the community of, of where the the uh, young man grew up and and that's probably about as far back as we go and and a lot of that and seeing seeing right the patterns of how he's developed and matured over the years and and see if we can figure out a pattern of right uh where he's progressing uh and and that's probably and, and every now and then we'll we'll go back and probably probably look at a huddle highlight tape of some really good players of them probably dominating high school football uh but that's usually for fun mental break in the draft Stu, hey sean what's been the value of these late round picks or players turning into uh key contributors for you guys i think the key is identifying guys that that we have a vision for Stu, that that, that fit within you know our culture but but also you know, fit for some of the, you know, the, the voids that we might have or the way the, the areas of need um, that they have certain traits and skill sets that, that complement and accentuate the other 10 guys that they'll be playing with, whether that's on offense, defense, or special teams. But I think there's a clear cut vision. You know, there's certain players, too, that I think uh, all 32 teams would agree that this is an elite fit. Um, you know, but being able to have a vision as you get later, identifying certain traits and characteristics that fit within the framework, how you envision utilizing them and helping them reach their highest potential. And, you know, usually in a lot of those uh, situations, you're betting on the human being and kind of looking at the history and, and the way that they're wired and, and their background and uh, some of the things they bring to the table. But but it's having a vision um, where there's a consistent buy-in and uh, a willingness to try to help these guys, uh, you know, reach their highest potential in, in every single avenue. You know what I'll add to this, Sean, because I think I've said it a lot, and I think it, it's something that needs to be said. It's one thing to identify. It's another thing to acquire. It's another thing to develop. But I, I think I've said it a few times right uh, this year that I give Sean his staff credit. They, they've actually right determined that they're going to rely on players in key roles that are, on, that are in their rookie contracts. And that that's – that's maybe the hardest part of that equation of all the variables that go into that calculus. So I give Sean and his staff credit for actually saying this. It's one thing to acquire and develop. It's another thing to say, you know what, we're penciling him into the lineup and we're going to rely on that young man during the rookie contract. Thank you both. And going back to that last question, big Derrick Henry's highlight tape from Uly, Florida. I mean, holy cow, I don't know if he got tackled. I don't, if I, if my son would have been playing against Derrick Henry High School, I'd have said you're sitting this one out, buddy. Claudia, this question is for both. How are you, first of all? Good. Uh, how important would it be to draft defensive players, especially outside linebackers and edge rushers? Claudia, we love people who can rush the pass. Key is. Would there be any on the board? Can we go to pick it. Sean, you can elaborate. That's the question. No, I, I think it's um, it's an important thing, Claudia, but, you know, there's certainly needs that we have on both sides of the football. And, 
there's a lot of players that we've identified that we think uh, will be there at 104, 142, and, and some of our other picks that, that we feel like can help this squad. And so I think it's a combination of, you know, some of the needs that we have and, and then, you know, best player available and, and looking at, you know, what the landscape of the draft looks like projection-wise um, at some of those spots and how that affects and influences your decision-making process in the moment. And last one is, do you have an interest in making the offensive line deeper with Ward left a big hole? Yeah, I think we've got some guys that we've invested in that we think have tremendous upside that we're looking forward to watching those guys compete. Um, but that's always a position that you can never have enough depth. And I think that's been a, a real benefit. Even when you go back to the 19th season where we had to play a lot of these young guys, I think that's really served us well up front each of the last two years being able to develop that depth, having guys that have played a lot of meaningful games, whether it's looking at all the snaps Joe Noteboom's played, Bobby Evans has played in key and critical situations. You look at when David Edwards and, and Corbett stepped into it, you know, you go back Austin Blythe, Brian Allen. So, um, you know, we've had a lot of guys that, uh, you know, have stepped in. You look at Alaric Jackson in the, in the Minnesota game where he plays the majority of the game at left tackle. Coleman Shelton played a lot of good football. So, those are always really important positions to develop depth at because um, you're going to probably have to rely on them at some uh, point in the season to be able to win key critical games, to be able to get into the playoffs and, and play games after uh, the regular season um, if you're competitive enough. Thank you, guys. Great. Hey, Les. Uh, Sean just touched on this briefly, but I think we ask you this every year, but just to sort of reiterate your philosophy being a front office that has been in a unique position like you have for the last few years, how do you evaluate drafting in areas of need versus best player available and what goes through your, your process there in general? If you could just reiterate that. I think you, the, the, I think we're, you definitely identify your needs and, and you, you know what those are. And then sometimes I call there's, there's also some, I call them wants, right? where there's maybe some positions that, that you could add to, to help you, maybe not necessarily a need. Now, the, the goal and the vision is to engineer a process where uh, you then go about setting the board and getting that right and trying to eliminate some of the bias of knowing what your needs are because what you probably don't want to have happen is at the position of need, you all of a sudden have a lot more players at that position just because you need them and and at that point, you in in this case, right, picking 104, we'll probably have four to five positions that we'd like to pick from. And if we've done the the work, uh, if we've done the correct work previously, then when we get to 104, we'll be able to look up the board and and, and hopefully at one of those four to five positions, there'll be a you know a favorite player of ours, and, and you go you go from there. And what that does is definitely. Uh, you're attempting to eliminate uh, reaching at a position where if a player is a little less on your board, but at a position of need, you really, you really got to work through those before the draft to really know when there is a line and, and not let, let's call it the desperation of a need, uh, you know, blur that vision. Perfect. Thank you. Modesty. Uh, hi, gentlemen. Um, Following less, uh, following up on, uh, uh, I guess, Greg's question just now a little bit. Uh, last year, you guys were talking about uh, Raheem Morris having coined the phrase pool party grade prospects. Um, you know, if you, yes. got them, if you got them, you'd have a pool party. You were at 
you're drafting 57th last year. This is 104th. Are there are there pool party players at 104th, 140-something? You know what the phrase is? Is definitely still alive and well in the draft. Now, maybe the pool's a little shallower. Maybe we shouldn't dive into the pool. But uh, I do, and I, 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 I think this is a, a relatively deep draft, and I do think what we've tried to do is, is again, handicap the draft, and then, you know, as the draft, right, as it, as it occurs, you know, you're going to, there's going to maybe be players of less talent, but there's still players who might have, right, specific skill sets that can contribute, can fill a role, uh, can develop into something. So we've tried to, do, you know, do a good job at each phase of the draft, almost have a pool party pod for each phase. But Raheem's pool party uh, phrase is alive and well. Did you have Even that? Pick 104. Did you have reason for that party last year, as it turned out? You know, there was definitely a few uh, pool party moments last year. I, and, I, and I say that by if we, if we, you know, we did call them pods, right? Where you, all right, these are pool party pods. So we did, we did get a few players that were in the, let's call it real, real fun pool party pod. And then just a quick one that's for both of you. Um, I don't know how rare it is, but you had starters on a Super Bowl team that you had drafted in every round from Aaron Donald in the first round to, I think, Nick Scott in the seventh. Um, is that as good a hallmark as you can think of, a source of pride in uh, sort of having done a, done a good job with drafts over the years that you wind up with starters all the way from top to bottom in the, in the draft? I'd love to hear both of your thoughts. Go ahead, Sean. Yeah, I, I think it's a positive. I, I think the thing that you're always trying to do is uh, create the most competitive roster that you have. You know, whether it's guys that are contributing that were, you know, college free agents. You look at what a, a big piece Troy Reader was for our football team. Christian Roseboom ends up coming in as, uh, you know, even though I know he went to Kansas City and came back. But then you see guys like Nick Scott that you mentioned, like Bryson Hopkins, who really hadn't played step up in big roles. Kendall Blanton, you know, so. There's so many different guys that that contributed, and I think that's where you take a lot of pride as you know our onboarding process, whether it's draft, free agency. You look at some of the trades. I mean, you know, you know, with what Matthew was able to do. So I think there's a lot of reasons to say you feel really good about the depth of our team, the competitiveness, the mental toughness, and I think that's a credit to the Les, his group, our coaches, um, and really the atmosphere and the environment. All right, that was Rams head coach Sean McVay and Rams general manager Les Snead talking to the media before the NFL draft begins right here in Las Vegas tomorrow. I am here for the draft. I'll uh, be here uh, through the uh, first round and just a really exciting time for Las Vegas, which not only has the National Football League in town with the Las Vegas Raiders in the opening of Allegiant Stadium. They hosted the Pro Bowl. They are hosting the draft and uh, next year, so not this uh, this upcoming Super Bowl, the next one, the Super Bowl, will be in Las Vegas. All right. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe, uh, stay healthy.
This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Shed tears as we bury brothers close to heart. What was a friend, now a ghost in the dark. Hard part about it, brother For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.